Well, welcome back, everybody. You know, um, Tim did throw me when I heard that backstage, and I'm thinking, you know, that's a great way to start every Sunday. <laughs> so, you know, how we would just make that a regular habit, you know, for whoever is up speaking, that would just be a great way to do that. So thank you for that. That was so incredibly sweet of all of you, and, you know, I feel very similar to, about that towards you, and uh, I've missed you. Our staff has missed you. Um, it's been kind of a lonely four months. I got to tell you, I don't like just talking to a, a camera. It's not very exciting. So this morning, what I'm going to ask for you to do is just participate a little bit with me. Um, if you feel excited about what we're talking about or, or if, if there's a challenging thing that comes, feel free to like give a, an amen or a uh-huh or yep, I'm with you or keep going or dig deeper or something. Is that okay this morning? All right, so you know that you know might lean a little bit towards a more of a charismatic experience, but I'm feeling a little bit charismatic today after uh, being gone for four months from each other, and it's so great to see each other live and in person. So if you are watching online, we are grateful that you are still tuning in with us, and we hope that one day soon you'll feel comfortable enough to come back and join us. Now, for those of you who are new, my name is Trent, I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and for those of you who are not new, my glasses might be throwing you a little bit. Maybe you've not seen me in glasses, so I want to introduce you to my new friends. They're called bifocals. So uh, for the past couple of years, I've been wrestling with some uh, sight issues, seeing things up close, and it's really important to see your notes when you're teaching. So there's moments I look down, I'm like, I really don't know where I'm at. And uh, the doctor said, it's time. It's time for the bifocals. And so if you see me today looking around, moving my head to try to find the right spot to be able to see my notes, you know what's going on, okay? Everybody ready for today? Okay, good. I'm glad you're ready. So we're going to start a new series today called To Live as Christ, and it's based on a, a book in the New Testament part of the Bible called Philippians. And anybody know who wrote the book of Philippians? If you said Paul, you would you'd be right on almost every book in the New Testament except for a few. Um, but the Apostle Paul, if you're not familiar with Paul, he was an amazing guy. And uh, Paul has this uh, life-transforming experience one day when he meets Jesus. So before Jesus, Paul was known as Saul. He was a religious leader who hated Jesus and anybody who followed Jesus. And then he met Jesus. And he was transformed by that interaction. And he went on as a Christ follower to be one of the most influential Christians our world has ever known. And we get to read much of the New Testament part of the Bible because of Paul, because God preserved his writings for us. So that's Paul. That's the guy who wrote this letter. So he starts this church in the northern part of Greece in a little city called Philippi. He and his friend Silas, and he's on a missionary journey. And he's starting churches wherever he can. He's leading people to Jesus and gathering those followers together in the context of a church. And then he actually writes a letter to them later. So this is the letter that we're going to be reading in this series and he wrote it about 61 AD, and he actually wrote it from prison. 
Now, if anybody knows what quarantine is like, the Apostle Paul knows what quarantine is like. So for some of us, we've experienced that over the past four months. Um, If you've had some health issues, maybe you've experienced that longer. But Paul knew what it was like in different contexts over stretched over several years to be in quarantine. And I wonder for Paul, if while Paul was in quarantine, I wonder if he felt like he was wasting his time. Has anybody felt like you've been wasting time over the past four months? Some of us just feel like, man, I want to get back to to what I was doing before. And I wonder if Paul felt that way. I wonder if Paul felt like, you know what? I'm not able to to lead more people to Jesus. I'm not able to start more churches and more communities around the world. I'm just wasting my time just sitting here writing letters. He had no clue that several thousand years later, we would still be benefiting from his work while he was in quarantine. So for us, just maybe... Some quarantine time is where God's going to do some of his most significant work in our lives. Just maybe in a, in a timeout zone, when we have to pull off the, the highway of life and slow down just a little bit in some context, for some of us, others are still going really fast. But maybe during a time of quarantine, God's going to do something bigger than we could ever imagine that's going to impact our lives and other people's lives. So never overlook a time of quarantine. Never feel like it's a waste of time. God never wastes anything. He never wastes time, and we shouldn't either. Now, this letter that Paul wrote to the church of Philippi would have been read aloud to that church. It would have been delivered to them. And once they received that letter, then they would have gathered in a church context, kind of like us this morning, and they would have said, listen, we've got a letter from Paul. We're going to read that today. So I want us to imagine that we are the church of Philippi. So if you can imagine us being the only church in Flagler County or this region of Florida, the only church here, and we're gathering to hear from the guy who led us to Jesus and formed us as a church. So just imagine we're doing that today and some of the things that they would have been thinking about as they heard, hey, Paul's in prison. We want to hear how he's doing. So we got a letter. Let's read this letter together. In verses one and two, Paul gives his standard introduction. Then in verse three, Paul says this. He says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time that you first heard it until now. I just want to pause real quick and say, that's how I feel about you as our our church family I am so honored to be a part of a church family that takes serving God and serving our community seriously. So serious that we're known in the community as that church that loves our community and serves on a regular basis. And I know that we have missed those serving opportunities. There's been a few serving opportunities that have happened during quarantine, but not to the level of what we're used to. And I know we're eager to get back to that. So I am very thankful to you. We wouldn't be who we are without you. You're what it means for us to be epic in our community. So thanks for, for being that kind of a church family. Then in verse six, Paul says something really encouraging to them. He says, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Now, the work that that Paul's talking about there is the work of us becoming more like Jesus. And there's a fancy term for that that Bible scholars use called sanctification. 
So the process of sanctification is the process over a lifetime of us learning to become more like Jesus every day. Uh, It doesn't happen in a moment. It doesn't happen when you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's the moment of justification. But then the process of sanctification happens where we slowly learn to become like Jesus more and more as we allow God to work in us. And Paul says, let me, let me remind you of who began that work. It was God who began that work. God didn't wait for you to become good enough. God didn't wait for us to follow all the right rules. God didn't wait for us to turn to him and love him. God pursued us first and God always pursues us first. So if you feel this morning, whether you're here or you're online, if you feel like, you know what, I, I don't know that I'm worthy to be, to be pursued, that's not true. God loves you and he's pursuing you on a continual basis. He's got an amazing plan for your life. He wants to start something great in your life and he says, I'll finish it. I'll finish what I start. Now, I'm curious this morning if any of you feel the way that I feel sometimes. Um, There are moments that I think God has a lot of work to do in the sanctification process in my life. Anybody else feel that way about you? Anybody else feel that way about me? Yeah, there's a few of you. Yeah, man, God's got a lot of work to to do in Trent's life. But there are moments in the sanctification process that that I feel like, man, God, I'm making it harder for you. Because there's times I take two steps forward, one step back. There are times I take two, two steps forward, three steps back. And there are moments that I don't even take steps forward. I just take steps back. And do the thing that I want to do instead of allowing God to work within me. But Paul comes along and he says again, remember, it's God who started the good work. It's God who's going to finish it. So continue to let God work in our lives. That's what we have to do on a regular basis. Continue to submit ourselves to him and allow him to work. Verse 7. Paul says, so it is right that I should feel as I do about you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters. We'll get back to that in just a minute so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, which is the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Then in verse 12, Paul says this. I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. I think that is an amazing perspective that Paul has there. Paul wasn't discouraged by unjust imprisonment. Paul wasn't discouraged by all the bad things that had happened to Paul, and we'll find out what that is in a minute. Paul wasn't discouraged by those things because Paul had this amazing perspective, and here it is. He knew this, that his current circumstances were not as important as his response to those circumstances. Let that sink in for just a minute. Paul knew that his circumstances weren't as important 
as how he responded to those circumstances. So we're gonna step back and try to answer the question, what happened to Paul? Paul said, hey, everything that's happened to me has kind of been a good thing. Well, what happened to Paul? Well, he describes that in another letter, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and chapter 11. And he says this in verse 8 in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death. Why, Paul? Because we serve Jesus. So that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. So Paul was not arrested and put in prison because he was trying to overthrow the Roman government. Paul was not arrested for trying to turn against the Jewish people. He was arrested for telling people about Jesus and how their life could be radically changed the way his life was radically changed. And then Paul continues in chapter 11. He says, verse 24, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Now, that's not some, you know, glamour makeover thing where he gets, you know, new eyelashes, you know, for his face. That was a pretty horrible experience for anybody to go through. That meant being whipped 39 times. Let me tell you the significance of 39. It was determined in that day that somebody could be killed by receiving 40 lashes, being whipped 40 times. And so they decided, well, if we don't want to give somebody the death penalty, let's reduce it by one to 39. Now, wouldn't that be great if you were on the receiving end of that? Oh, thank you for 39 instead of 40. You could die receiving 39 lashes. And Paul received that five times. That equals 315 lashes on his back. Anybody want to go with Paul on his next missionary trip? Like anybody eager to like, Paul, let me go with you. I'm dying. Anybody who would say that, I think Paul would have shown them his business card and pulled up the back of his shirt. Said, you see what happens when you try to follow Jesus and tell other people around the world about him? This is the kind of stuff that can happen, but it's so incredibly worth it. So I think a lot of us would back away and go like, okay, Paul, write us another letter. Don't want to go with you. I just kind of want to hear what happens on the journey. Verse 25, Paul goes, that's not all. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned and I wasn't smoking anything either. He said, three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all that, I have the day daily burden of my concern for all the churches. As a pastor, I identify with that verse. Our, our staff identifies with that verse. There, there's a, a burden that we carry for you as our church. There's a burden that we carry for the souls of people in our community. 
Listen, we're not dealing with widgets here. We're not selling stuff that we lose a few customers, gain a few customers, it's not that big of a deal. This is a matter of life and death for us, eternally. So the work that we're involved in, the church that we're involved in, it's a matter of life and death for the people that we know, people around us. It's much more significant than COVID. I mean, it's an eternal thing here. And Paul knew that. He knew the weight of that. And many, many uh, church leaders know that. Paul says this in 29, he says, who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray? And I do not burn with anger. So after all of that, all the stuff that's happened to Paul, what does he say? You know what, everything that's happened to me, it's been good. It's been a good thing. Now, I, I wonder what's wrong with Paul when I read that. I wonder, like, when you were stoned, Paul, did one of the rocks create brain damage? Because most of us don't say that. Most of us don't say, you know what, all that horrible stuff that's happened in my life has been really good. Most of us get angry. Most of us get bitter. Most of us step away from God because things aren't working out the way that we want them to work out. But that's not Paul. Paul says, listen, I know that my circumstances aren't as important as how I respond to those circumstances. My response is way more important. So if you're a Christ follower, how are you responding to your current circumstances? How are you responding to your health issues or the health issues of somebody that you love? How are you responding to that relationship challenge that you're in right now? Maybe your marriage isn't going so well. Maybe you've got a wayward child that's giving you a lot of problems. How are you responding to that? How are you responding to stuff that's going on in our nation right now? You know, Tim mentioned earlier, you know, we've got COVID stuff. We've got some racial tensions going on. We've got some rioting. How are you responding to that? Are you tempted to turn away from God? Are you tempted to turn a cold shoulder to people that God loves? Are you looking at everything that happens in our lives as an opportunity to tell people about Jesus? Verse 13, Paul says, everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. So two great things happen because of Paul's perspective. Number one, more people heard about Jesus. And number two, other believers grew strength and confidence in their faith because of Paul's faith and how he walked through his circumstances. So again, how are you responding to your circumstances if you are a Christ follower, are people hearing about Jesus because of you? When you go through that difficulty, when you go through that challenge, are other believers strengthened in their faith? You know, it's real easy for us to celebrate God in those big God moving moments in our lives. You know, somebody wins the lottery and I'm just going to praise God for that. He's working his favor in my life and I'm just going to give him the credit. What about when we lose our job? What about when stock market crashes and we lose our bank accounts? What about when things aren't going well for us at all? Are we still praising God in those moments? It's easy to praise God when things are going great, but are we still praising God when things are challenging and difficult? It's in those moments that people can be led to Jesus and people can be strengthened in their faith because of our faith. 
So how are you doing as a Christ follower in response to your current situation, your circumstances that you're going through? There's some challenging questions to ask. Yeah, I've been asking myself those questions as well as I've been working through this. And there are moments I think, you know what, I'm, I'm doing okay. There's other moments I know I got to do better. I've got to become more like Paul. I desire that in my life, and I know you desire that as well. So I want you to listen to Paul's motivation for living the way that he lived and the perspective that he had. It's found in verse 20. He said, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ. That's where we got the title of this series. Some translations say to live is Christ. So Paul says, for me, Living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for for Christ. So I don't really know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me, but for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Now, it sounds like Paul's a little emotionally unstable right there, like maybe a little suicidal, but I assure you, he is not. See, Paul knew something that we need to be reminded of on a regular basis, and that's this. This life isn't all there is. There's more. There's much more. And Paul knew that those of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're going to live forever in a perfect place with Christ. Anybody excited about that? Now... About half the crowd is excited, and you know I'm excited. I don't want to go today, but I'm excited that one day Christ is going to come back, and we will get to be with him forever in this perfect place. So Paul wasn't worried about his circumstances. He said, listen, I'm not worried about this. I'm not worried about being in prison, being uh, whipped five different times. I'm not worried about that. Being shipwrecked, being stoned, I'm not worried about that. It's, it's no big deal to me. Um, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to become a victim. I'm going to see every opportunity as an opportunity to introduce people to Jesus who can transform their lives. So do you have that perspective with what you're going through? That was Paul's primary focus in life, and it should be our focus as well. Again, this life isn't all there is. There's much more. And I truly believe that Uh, It won't take more than a few seconds for us to step into eternity in the presence of our creator and wish we could come back and change our perspective a little bit more and have had more of Paul's perspective of how he looked at life where he said, listen, if I I die, it's okay. If I live, I'm going to live fully for Christ. It won't take but a few seconds for us to say, you know what? I wish I could have done that. The cool thing is we can do that now. We can learn to do that now. We still have time. We all have time. Might be a day, might be a year, might be 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. We still have time to learn Paul's perspective. So Paul says in verse 21, it says, living means living for Christ. So how do we live for Christ in every moment of every day? I think it has to do with practicing what has been called the with God life. It has to do with practicing in as if God lives with us every moment 
of every day. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20. He said, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So there is not a moment, a situation, a difficult challenge that you are facing or will face that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are not there with you to guide you through every moment of that. You will never face a moment where God has turned his back on you, where God's not available, where God is not right there with you and me to help us. There's not a challenge, there's not a discouragement, there's not a temptation that we can face where God isn't right there. So how would practicing the with God life, really imagining that God is with us every moment of every day change our lives? Like how would it change the way we live? How would it change the way we work? How would it change our attitude? How would it change some of our relationships? I think it would change things significantly. I know it would change significant things in my life as well. It would change the way I handle difficult situations. It would change my attitude when things don't go my way and I'm tempted to have a pity party because it didn't happen the way that I wanted it to happen. How I handle temptation would change. Like everything would change for me. And I think everything would change for all of us. You know, I've been really focused on this with God life over uh, now the past several months and really trying to uh, take advantage of that, the reality that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are right here. Actually, scripture teaches right here. So right here with me to help me through every situation. And so I've been trying to apply that to my life. So in one interaction I had uh, several weeks ago, I was speaking with a person who, the conversation got a little heated. They didn't like something I said, and I was trying to speak the truth and love in that moment. Um, it went all sideways with them, and uh, they ended the conversation abruptly. And as I reflected back on that conversation, I just I thanked God. Thank you for being with me in that moment. Thank you for helping me respond and not react. And I'm sure that we'll have some, some more conversations in the future about that. But I was so grateful in that moment because I was really practicing, Jesus, you are here right now. What do you want me to say to this person? I don't want to not say something because I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to say something that's not loving and then hurt their feelings. I want to speak the truth in love in this moment. And I felt in the context of that conversation that I did, it was an awesome experience. Well, then like a week later, I had another interaction and I reacted. I didn't respond. And I could hear Jesus ask the Dr. Phil question. So how's that working for you? And it didn't work real well. I was the one that got bent out of shape. I was the one that ended the conversation early. And I was reminded that I have to live with God every moment of every day. I can't do this like Sunday fill-up thing. Hey, God, I'm hanging out with you Sunday morning, feeling great. Okay, see you next week. It's gotta be every moment of every day. The reality is the only way that we can really live for God is to learn to live with God. So the only way we can really live for God is by learning to live with God. So Here's our homework for those of you who are eager to learn how to become more like Paul and have this perspective. We gotta start by remembering this. How we respond to life's circumstances is far more important than those circumstances. How we respond 
to our circumstances is far more important than the circumstances themselves because people might be pointed to Jesus in our response or people might be strengthened in their faith. And then I encourage you to do this this week. I encourage you to read Philippians chapter one all week long. So every day, just read Philippians chapter one. We'll be reading through the book in this series, but this week, just focus on chapter one and ask God to teach you how to have Paul's perspective in that sanctification process in your life. And then practice the with God life. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, I encourage you to invite Jesus to go with you through the day. Invite Jesus to go to breakfast with you. Invite Jesus to go to work with you. Invite Jesus into that difficult conversation that you're planning to have or you know is on the calendar with you and somebody else. Or that thing that just pops into your life and you're not expecting it. Invite Jesus to be there right then in that moment and ask him to teach you how to respond and not react. Again, how we respond to our circumstances is way more important than those circumstances themselves. In moments where you do well and you respond the way that God wants you to, celebrate that. It's not about you. You don't pat yourself on the back. Just say, God, thank you for being with me in this moment, allowing me to do this. And in those moments where you blow it, like I blow it, when you react instead of respond, Ask for forgiveness. God will give you his grace, his mercy, and you can start again in that next moment. So don't run away from God. I'm so bad. I'm so guilty. I'm so shameful. I can never figure this out. Don't do that. Remember, God who began the good work is going to finish that work in you. So allow him to do that work. The more we learn to live with God, we're going to be able to learn how to live for God. So next week, we're going to pick back up in verse 27 of chapter one. We're going to talk a little bit about how God wants us to respond in some of the stuff that we're facing as a nation right now. So I hope you'll come back for that. And if you need help this morning in some way, if you need somebody to pray with you or pray for you, stop by our care table. We would love to connect with you and help you in some significant way in your life. I'm going to pray and our worship team is going to come out and they're going to close us in a, a final song, which will give us an opportunity to reflect on how we can develop that perspective that Paul has and understanding that our circumstances aren't all that important. What's more important is how we respond to them. So let's pray together. God, it's such a special moment to, to be here together again live and uh, Lord, it, it's so encouraging to hear from the Apostle Paul who understands a little bit of what it's like for what we're going through. I mean, he, he knew what uh, quarantine was like. Uh, he, he faced all kinds of challenges in his life because he was a follower of yours. And God, Paul had an amazing perspective that he learned from Jesus. We need to learn that same perspective so Lord, when we go through difficulty, when we go through challenges as we are now or maybe other challenges that we face tomorrow, Lord, may we draw ourselves back to the, the perspective that we need to have that when we respond the right way, good things happen. And we could say like Paul, you know what? All this stuff that's happened to me, all this crazy bad stuff that's happened to me, it's been a good thing. Why? Because more people may have met Jesus. And other Christ followers may have been strengthened in their faith. So Lord, may we be a little bit more like Jesus 
every day. Continue to do the work in us that you started and you promised that you would finish. In Jesus' name, amen.